Because the world that we live in is a world that is still inhabited by demons as well as entities over nations. If we're going to function as Christians in that world, it would be helpful if we had a supernatural worldview. All things continually lead back to serpents, dragons, fairies, Nephilim, and fallen angels. In the distance looms a mystical mountain. As Mike Heiser used to say, if it's in the Bible and it's weird, it's probably important. At its peak, a great fire burns, concealing the Prometheus lens. This development of this knowledge that's being talked about within the mystery schools. An ancient artifact said to reveal the hidden truth within a deliberately darkened world. There is a hidden history that's been deliberately obfuscated from the peoples of the world. Join us as we travel and explore the vast unknown. It's a hero's journey with dragons to slay, damsels to save, and innumerable treasures to hoard. Torches high. The Smithsonian, they'd call wind of a giant skeleton. They would send their agents out to get it. But it takes courage to move forward, to move out of the shadows, out of the uh, unreality that we think of as reality. We are all on the hero's journey. Mankind has been in contact with and influenced by extraterrestrials. Leave the Sitchin mound of bull feathers out of it. You know, look at it from a different perspective. A different perspective. Different perspective. Different perspective. Different perspective. What's happening? What's up? Hold out your glass because we're about to fill it up. Welcome to the Prometheus Lens Podcast, the place with the conversations are always enlightening. I'm your host, Justin. Uh, here at this podcast, we use the allegory of the Prometheus lens to take a second look at everything. One thing that gets overlooked a lot in theology and in Christian life is worldview. You have Christian worldview. You have atheist worldview, supernatural worldview. And these are very important uh, topics and paradigms to discuss, especially like us when we're on the hero's journey. So today we're going to have a discussion about worldview and how it shapes your walk. Well, today I have a guest with us. His name is uh, Matt Long. He's a good friend of mine, uh, just a very intensive researcher. Every time I see Matt on Facebook, Instagram, he's always posting pictures of all kinds of books and and research. He's a very knowledgeable and well-read guy. And uh, he's been following me for a few years, and we've become friends. And uh, I just asked him one day, I was like, Matt, we need to have a conversation. I know you got some nuggets to share, and he was uh, obliged to come on and talk with us today. So, Matt, welcome to the Prometheus Lens, buddy. Oh, thanks for having me, Justin. Well, uh, just uh, give us a little background for the ones that are not familiar with you. Give us a little bit of information how uh, 
how you've come on your journey and uh, the topics that you've researched and some of your uh, facts and findings and fascinations. Okay, well, I'm always one of those kids that had a lot of questions and whatnot and grew up in church. You know, you, you hear of uh, the Old Testament stories and such as uh, Jonah and the Whale, or you might hear something about the Tower of Babel, and they make good uh, kid stories. Well, about the time you, you're about to finish up with high school and you go on your own, especially headed to college, you start to run into a lot of things that kind of encounter what you've been taught. And that just isn't only at the school you may attend or maybe who your friends are or what Uncle Sam might tell you. But I've just always been one to kind of not take what I'm told at face value. I like digging into things for myself. So <clears throat> I just kind of went off and looked into history on some things and just had some questions about events. And uh, I've always been a little bit leery of uh, Uncle Sam. Lo and behold, I was in my uh, statistics class. Yeah in college and was just about to go into class September 11th and I saw a plane hit a tower. And so that kind of shocked me. And then the second uh, plane hit, I knew we were at war. I didn't know how, I didn't know what would come in the future, but I knew it wasn't good. It was a scary but, time, wasn't it? I remember. Yeah, it was just... The biggest thing I remember is just mass confusion. But by by the same time, it was a moment where it didn't matter what your backgrounds were. It, it didn't matter what your race was or which religious beliefs you may have held. Everybody kind of came together. So that really got me rolling. Um, I've always uh, been interested in the... Uh, supernatural as well. Um, granted, as a kid, I'd read you know your your Halloween books on a ghost and monsters and whatnot, but just kind of as entertainment for all in, in, intents and purposes. About the the time I left uh, college, I wasn't headed in a really good direction. But I met my wife. She was a breath of fresh air. Uh, she's my uh, beautiful woman that I get to come home to. It was through her, uh, I kind of began to get my my life in check and return to my roots as a as a Christian and whatnot. So I started going back to church again. We've been married now for seventeen years. And what's funny is uh, I've been reading that uh, book, uh, Hero with a Thousand Faces. And I'm, I'm about okay. 100, 120 pages in. And one thing I never really noticed, or I mean, I noticed it, but I never really paid that much attention. But it was like, in every hero's journey, there's always the beautiful maiden. And she's always a guide. <laughs> she's always there to guide you. Yeah. Yeah. So we've uh, moved around a little bit. Um, really started to uh, read my Bible and do the best I could to take notes in church. 
But uh, lo and behold, I don't know, probably four years ago, five years ago, I stumbled on a, a YouTube video from a guy named uh, Mike Heiser. And it was the gateway drug. Yeah, he's the gateway drug. And so um, he was talking about multiple gods. And I'm like, wait a minute. There's only one God. Well, then he's, you know, he's talking about Deuteronomy 32, 8, and 9. As well as uh, Psalm eighty-two, and um, what the word Elohim means, and I didn't realize at the time that he was a, a Semitic scholar that that was his uh, specialty. So I'm looking at my Bible, and I'm thinking, "Uh oh, either I got a, a a contradictory Bible, or there's something I haven't been taught, or something I haven't learned, or something's been left out. So that kind of set me on a journey, not only to see who he was, but he kind of led me to other people, and that would be um, Dr. Judd Burton. And then I I stumbled on uh, Derek Gilbert and um, Doug Van Dorn probably three years ago, maybe. I've read Heiser's uh, Unseen Realm and some of his other works. And um, since then, really come, I guess, a long way in a short time as, as far as having a better understanding of what was going on in there ancient Near East and how um, if you had a, a deity appointed over a, a nation well then that deity could cause uh, corruption at the highest places we in the West especially in America t- tend to think that politics and religion are two separate entities. Well, if you look at the ancient Near Eastern material, you'll find out that they're really one and the same and that it was a story of about who had the most powerful God. And um, according to the Bible, it's Yahweh, and it's always been Yahweh. Well, you just blew my mind, Matt, because honestly... You are scholarly level. The stuff you know, the hours and work that you've put in, I just assume that you've been at this for like 10 years, brother. I mean, that's amazing to me how far you have come and how much you've learned in such little bit of time. Well, they say that um, reading will do wonders for people, and in my case, I guess I'm wondering if it's even a spiritual gift, because I'm as historically a CB student, you know, and C still get degrees, but um, if you can't go to college or seminary for any reason, I mean, you can always read. So, And when you learn these things, too, like for me, 
it made a lot of connections and it just answered a lot of questions and tied up a lot of loose ends. You know, for me, it was like, you know, you always hear about Paul talking about, you know, there's rulers, principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places. We battle not against flesh and blood and just the, the corruption. And in church, you're taught, you know, that Christ conquered at the cross. And then it's like, well, gosh, man, why is there so much evil? And Mike Kaiser just opened up all those windows for you to, to see and, and make those connections. Well, with and what and what Paul was saying in, in Ephesians six about you know the principalities and powers and rulers, thrones, dominions, they all have something in common, and that is geographic dominion. I mean, and even in our natural world, we're kind of set up that way as well, as far as federal government, state government, local government, your county governments, and they all have their own jurisdictions. So, when you have all of these terms, you know, I don't know what if Paul was thinking of rank when he said that, but if, um, if you have these beings over the nations, and if um, 70 or uh, 72, if you read the Septuagint, I've is a number for all. So you have every, I guess, nation where people would dwell as being under dominion of some entity. What we seem to hear in church is that the only supernatural talk we get is either the birth of Jesus or the resurrection Wondering what it would do to um, boost our faith if if we had a a conversation about uh, what happened in Genesis six or um, Deuteronomy thirty two or you know Psalm eighty two or even uh, J- Jesus in in Matthew twenty eight where he uh, where we get the great commission to go out and make disciples of all the nations because what we're actually doing is we're going into foreign lands and it may even be our own land but we're going into a place that's under the dominion of another entity and that entity has enslaved people to whatever religion, be it Islam or Hinduism or whatever. But they're all religious systems of slavery. You can do so many works and say so many prayers, but at the end of the day, you're not going to get anywhere. But the mission of Jesus is to work through his imagers to to go out and to work just like Paul did and say that, you know, um, you don't have to be doing all this. Uh, my God is the one who set all this up, and my God wants you to come home. When we think of spiritual warfare, it's not 
just uh, shouting at demons. It's uh, taking away what they value, and that is other people. It's a spiritual it's a, game of risk. As we have a war. Right. Because <laughs> as this war plays out, it's a game of inches. It's a lot like football. You're you're trying to recover t- territory. You got t- two kingdoms that are uh, against each other, and one kingdom is going to win. Um, and one thing I compare it to a lot is uh, yeah. that people can really get onto is uh, are on board with because they know the with the culture and the times is the Game of Thrones. You know, if you watch right. that show, what happens? You have a, a realm with many nations and lands, and it, they're all united under one king. You know, if you were to use that as an allegory, that, you know, that's Yahweh, that's the throne of heaven ruling all the realms. And then the inner court, they start conspiring amongst each other to overthrow the king and, and divide the, the spoils and the nations amongst themselves. You know, this is Lucifer and his fallen angels. Then there's a, a rebellion, a fight. The king, you know, is run off. And uh, just like the hero's journey, the uh, and like Moses, a lot of people miss Moses was a hero's journey. He was, you know, a foundling put in a basket and sent down to Egypt Jesus, same thing. He he mirrored Moses. You know, he he a hit was put out on his life. So what did he do? Just like a foundling, uh, went with his step parents yeah. down into Egypt to to be saved. And then the conquering king, when he becomes of age, comes back and and fights the evil tyranny and reclaims the throne. I mean, that's what's happening right. with, with the biblical narrative, and people miss that. Hey guys, what's up? Tom Dunn here from Through the Black. We have launched our new ministry outreach, No More Dead Babies. And the website is nomoredeadbabies.com. We want you to go to that website and get a free t-shirt, okay? Um, And uh, we want you to join the movement, okay? We need soldiers to step up and say that they're going to be a voice for the voiceless, okay? Guys, we've never done anything like this before. This is a big deal, and I don't know who all is ready for it out there, but it's time to step up, okay? And we're asking you to go to the website and order the shirt. The shirt is free, but you got to pay for shipping, okay? Um, and uh, we're going to ship it out to you as soon as we get it. You tell us what size you need, and then we're going to send you the T-shirt, okay? Join us. Uh, the goal is to get thousands of these shirts i keep pushing this i think this boldness can be contagious 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 my name's nick i'm the owner of kevlar joe's and i'm the roaster i'm an air force security forces veteran a dad to three wild boys and a husband to my wife crystal and a coffee enthusiast From a family in a small town in Missouri, we started with the simple idea of crafting a perfectly bold cup of coffee. Inspired by wellness and countless pots of stale coffee while deployed, we wanted to craft a bold, clean, and smooth coffee. So we did. And we realized we wanted to share this coffee with our friends. Lord knows we could all use a good cup of coffee right about now. From the farm to your coffee cup, there's nothing like a good, well-crafted, and bold cup of coffee. 
No matter what time of the day, it's there to pick you up, motivate you, and relax you. We hope you enjoy our coffee. Be bold, be humble, be Kevlar. And you can find Kevlar Joe's Coffee Company anytime you want at www.kevlarjoe.com. Enjoy. I often wonder from um, a, a Western p- perspective when we send missionaries out, you know, what comes up in those situations. When you go to into enemy territory, I mean, you, you got to be as wise as serpents and gentle as doves. Um, you, you go in and pray that you save some. Yeah, but the enemy don't want to let loose of those people easily, does he? <laughs> no, he, he doesn't. And uh, he employs his own uh, weapons. That's why uh, Ephesians 6 is so important. And it's also important that we keep reading our Bibles and staying faithful in prayer. One thing that I wanted to bring up was that in a lot of our uh, English translations, um, we don't, I guess, have the words in English that would spell out a supernatural worldview in our Bibles. So for us, we had to do some digging in our word studies and footnotes and um, try and do the best we can. But at the end of the day, um, our uh, faith journey is still up to us. and. The Old Testament is more relevant than I think than any of us realize, especially in the West. It's the foundation that the New Testament builds on and repurposes. Because the world that we live in is a world that is still inhabited by demons as well as entities over nations if we're gonna function as christians in that world it would be helpful if we had a supernatural worldview oftentimes i think and it seems like is that when you're in a church whatever subject materials covered it's like it's pulled out of its um ancient context and just put in place in a modern context. And I can see how it makes good good teaching material. But just from my own experience, it, it doesn't set you up for the way you should be looking at the world. I think for me, it's, it's kind of one of the reasons where I, I kind of um, walked away from, from my faith about the time I hit college. Because there's, once you see the supernatural, you can't unsee it. There's a reason that, say, uh, the Marvel movies, uh, DC Comics, you got Lord of the Rings, you got these supernatural blockbusters that people like. And yet, it's right there on our own Bible. And for whatever reason, we just can't see it. But it, it's right there under our nose. 
And it seems like once we unlock that um, door, everything just opens up. Well, with you, uh, I know you're always reading these ancient texts and stuff and doing these these, uh, word digs and stuff like that. Uh, Could you give me like an example for like the listeners and stuff uh, of a good example of a, a, a modern church teaching? that totally robs the ancient biblical and supernatural worldview that you've discovered with your research? Uh, the, I think the biggest one is probably Genesis 6, Sons of Seth, um, explanation for weird stuff that happened there. We, we know that it's a view that was championed by Augustine, that Augustine is a one to one of the many church fathers that a lot of Christians respect, and rightly so. But he he, he kind of dropped the ball in that area. But what happens is, through the ebbs and flows of history, is that view gets picked up by uh, Luther and Calvin. And they basically... Uh, make fun of it, but they don't really disprove it. But what that ef- effectively did is right from the start, the, the first couple of chapters of Genesis, it's, it strips out that m- major component of a supernatural worldview. And so uh, hindsight is, a, is always twenty twenty when we look back at, at the f- first chapters in G- Genesis, everything gets tied to the fall. You know, if, I like Kaiser's example the best. If you, if you ask a, a second temple Jew why the world's so messed up, he said, well, there's three different reasons. Yeah, you get sin and the fall of man, but you also have... The Genesis 6 stuff, which is kind of a two-part problem because you have the the Watchers um, mate with human women that produces these giants that terrorize the earth and then start consuming people. And then the cries of the people go up to heaven, and then we have a flood. Well, now that flood kills those giants. But we still have a problem because even though their flesh has been taken away, their spirit still exists. And because they're a product of, of heaven and earth, they uh, exist somewhere in the middle realm. And uh, the book of Jubilees says uh, something interesting that... Um, after the flood, this character, Mastema, has a uh, conversation with God about the demons. And um, he begs God to allow a certain percentage of the demons to remain on earth to basically terrorize people. And then the other part is the uh, Babel event which you have uh, 
people under the leadership of this Nimrod character build a tower into heaven and you come to find out that the word Babel in a Akkadian means a gateway and then the, the gods. Of, right and then the book of Jubilees says uh, point blank that they were trying to get into heaven Nimrod in this Septuagint and I think I think it's in the King James also that he was the character that was tr trying to become um, a giant, if I remember right. So he was somehow he was manipulating, right, manipulating DNA, and um, so you got something strange going on with that. And then we know what happens at, at Babel. If God comes down, he sees what they're doing. He isn't happy. And he's pretty much like a parent with a, with their toddler and says, okay, you're done. So he scatters the people and changes their language. And then according to Jubilees, Jubilees uh, wind comes up and destroys the tower. Well, now you have people groups that can't communicate so they head off into their own uh, perspective nations we get a list of those nations in Genesis 10 people uh, repopulate the earth that way but God still isn't done and he later on he appears to Abraham and says hey I'm gonna make you a, a nation into myself and through you, I'm going to redeem all of the nations. So you get this thread in scripture that you have uh, the supernatural realm that interacts with the human realm. And it's this uh, twisting story throughout. Eventually, Jesus shows up. And then he, he starts saying and doing th things in certain spots. And we don't understand um, a lot of those places because I guess we don't really pay attention to maps. I know I, I for one, certainly didn't. But he goes and he, and he says certain things at different spots. And it's for a reason. It's because of what happened in those first chapters in Genesis. And those, uh, uh, Mike refers to them as the, the three rebellions, as you were talking about. Yeah. And our other podcast, yeah. the Dig Bible podcast, it started as just a men's small group. And I started with those three teachings uh, to those guys. and just totally blew their minds and they were like, we need to be doing a podcast on this stuff, man. This is important stuff because it is, I mean, it's, it's a springboard for the entire Bible and it totally puts a new set of glasses on your eyes. When you read the Bible and not only the Bible, but the, the storylines, the, the biblical narrative, the prophetic narrative, it's like once you understand Genesis six, you know, and these other two rebellions, you know, and you find out that Satan is not the serpent of the garden. He's the Nakash, 
the shining one, the member of God's divine council. I mean, these are those three, in my opinion, are the foundation stones for a proper biblical theology. And you see it everywhere. It's like when you read the uh, parable of the prodigal son, then you see that the younger son is humanity. The older son that is jealous and mad that the father accepts the younger son back is our elder brothers, the other Elohim. And then you got the parable of the good tenant. The the farmer lends his land to these group of farmers and they're promised to give a, a tenth of the, the of the ground to the landowner and he sends his messengers to collect they run them off so finally he sends his son and they plot to kill the son to take the land i mean that's jesus christ and the fallen (laughs) angels man yep well and and this is why i mean serious bible study is so important because when you have the pronouncement of the seed war in genesis three fifteen. I mean, the seed of the woman, the seed of the serpent. If you, we, everybody knows what the seed of the woman is, and that's Jesus. But the seed of the serpent is this thing that's just kind of shrouded in mystery that nobody wants to talk about. And the seed of the serpent is where it's one of the ways that Satan or the adversary try to wipe out the land of Christ. And, um, we wonder why, like the book of uh, J- Joshua, is so violent and what the the conquest period was like, because he was on a mission to wipe out these giants because they were a big uh, stain on the gene pool in the human genome, and that doesn't include um, everything they were doing with the animals and whatnot. So when Joshua had to kill every man, woman, and child and beast, there was a reason for it. It wasn't because God's an evil God and uh, he just decided to wipe people out one day. There was an unsanctioned evil that was roaming the earth in those days. And it was the mission of Moses, Joshua, and even David with uh, Goliath to wipe out that line and that's one thing too like we're talking worldview here and how this is so important it's not important for your theology and your understanding but also the defense of your faith because all the things you were just talking about are the number one swords and knives that atheists and non-believers use against us they say oh well your god is a is a jealous and, and, and mean God. He, he, he endorses mass genocide. He, he just got pissed off and flooded the whole world and killed everybody. That's not a God I want to serve. And us Christians that are just sipping on the milk on Sunday and not diving into the true meanings of these things, we are not only robbing ourselves of better understanding of the biblical narrative and, and drawing closer to our creator and his intentions and why he does what he does, we are looking like complete dummies to the outside world because we can't even defend our own faith or understand our own book. 
Right. And we, uh, you know, we sit in the, I don't know, I'll uh, point out at myself in this, but, you know, we we walk into into ch- church, we have our coon, our coffee and whatever else, you know, we're, we're dressed nice, we sit down for a, a service, and if, you know, if it's, uh, if they're a good ch- church, you, you, you will be challenged and whatnot. But there's still an element that's that's missing there. Whether you're inside the church or outside the the church, God is still everywhere. We have the explanation for a lot of where these other religions come from, even for uh, atheism. Um, a lot of that, I think, can be tied to the the Enlightenment period. And for as much good as that period did, it uh, fundamentally, I think, d- destroyed uh, a supernatural worldview as well. Because if you can't hear it, you can't taste it, you can't see it, then it, if it doesn't fit into one of those categories, you just ignore it. When we uh, approach the Bible without any kind of um, supernatural worldview or just a, a natural perspective, I think it makes it really hard to understand certain passages. And it also, we have trouble um, reconciling some of the imprecatory psalms, and that has to do with um, how we pray for our enemies. There's a, a, a couple different ways we can pray. We can pray that... Um, you know, our enemies would return, that God would convert them. Imprecatory psalms like Psalm 35, Psalm 109, dashing your enemies' children's heads against the rock. And I, I guess a um, topic that's kind of hard to reconcile, but I guess depending on the evil somebody would experience or they've seen somebody experience, it, it's, a, it's, it's a prayer that's in those psalms. But it's it's not something that we do. But I think it's a um, it's, it's a crying out for justice from God. And also, too, we're calling a world with a modern view of political correctness. You got to put yourself in that time frame. And then also, God, His thoughts are not your thoughts. His ways are not your ways. And these Nephilim hybrid offspring don't have souls like like we have they are not sons of god you know they are uh, apostate bastardized children you know it's still even the book of enoch calls them that they're, they're bastards and the whole their whole purpose is to contaminate the bloodline to stop the messiah who is the, the savior of all humanity and to gather all the nations back under the father so you can't i know it's hard to when you hear the stories about you know the devouting them to you know destruction i think it's called kareem in in the old testament you know devout to destruction that means kill every man every woman every child you can't look at them like you look at us because we are sons of God, direct creations and part of the the creation of God. 
these things are not. They don't have souls. They're not like us. So, it, it, but I can see where people be like, well, that's just inhumane. That's just evil. Why would God yeah. do that? Because they are basically the equivalent to extraterrestrial alien in today's modern view. It's it's right. more like aliens come down and had plans to enslave us and, and kill us and started having little baby aliens. And we know that we have to go in and wipe them out or they're going to kill us all. At that point, you know, I mean, it's just all is fair and love and war. Right, and um, Adam was the one that was given the dominion of the earth, and unfortunately, you know, he failed, but the, the second Adam didn't fail. And because of the work of Christ, um, we have something to look forward to. And I know in Second Peter he talks about uh, t- taking part in the divine nature um, and according to Re- Revelation 2, we're going to share the th- throne with Jesus and have the, the right to rule. The right to rule what, though? That would be in the nations that, um, according to Psalm 82, um, the, the gods, small g gods, mismanaged and were destroyed for and the reason that they um, have so much hatred t- towards us as humans, because we take their jobs at the end of the day. We become the new, I guess, or the new divine council. Paul says in First Corinthians 6.3 that we will judge angels. And I often wonder if it was because of what went down in the first couple chapters of Genesis. Old Testament word for holy ones in Hebrew is uh, edoshim. I forgot what it is in, is in Greek. But in the English Bibles, in the New Testament, the word is is translated into saints. Okay, well, it's... It's not a, a very good word choice is the first problem. The second problem is is that when you have it, the word as saints, you lose the connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And why that's important is because the way God talks about a supernatural family in the Old Testament is how he talks about us, redeemed humanity, in the New Testament. And I... Where um, Revelation ends, Eden begins, because we will have come full circle, as was the original, uh, as was the original plan, before it kind of blew up. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. It's everything comes full circle. That's why it's so important. Just any movie you go watch at the movie theater. Uh, I like to use that analogy of that movie, The Sixth Sense. You know, for those that are around our age, you know, that movie starts out. There's a kid that's, you know, going through some stuff. So his mom hires a a counselor to come talk to the boy and he counsels the boy and talks to him and stuff. And the little boy says that he sees, you know, dead people and he's trying to work him through his issues and everything. And this is, you know, like a two hour movie. And then big shocker at the end, you find out that the, the therapist that had been talking to him the whole time 
is dead. And he didn't even know he was dead. He finds out at the end that he's dead. And then you're like, what? I know uh, the mother talked to him. This happened. That happened. And you you make all this stuff up in your mind. And then you get to looking back and you're like, yeah, nobody. that The kid was the only one that talked to him. That Okay, that's why this happened and that <laughs> yeah. happened. And if you would have walked in 15, 20 minutes late on that movie, you would have not understood any of the ending. And your Bible is no different. Right. And that's one thing that I, I like about um, movies is, is that uh, you can see how, I guess, the, the, the natural and supernatural can, can interact. And like we have, we have no problem, you know, watching it on screen. But when it happens in real life, it it's just not something that is very common. And we just have different ways we go about dealing with that. And I, I like too how Mike talked. You know, he said, "I'm not saying." He said, "Please don't take what I'm saying wrong. Your Bible is not fiction." He says, "But." If we would read the Bible as though it were fiction in our minds and process it that way, he said, we could have a better and truer understanding. He said, because when you go to a movie or you're reading a book, you're going in knowing this is not real. This is for entertainment value. He said, so when you're watching it, you're open, you're accepting everything. He said, and where you're open and you're accepting everything, he said, you start seeing hidden narrative. You start seeing symbolism and some allegory, all these little hidden treasures that's buried like Easter eggs within the narrative. He said, the Bible is exactly like that. He said, there's so many hidden narratives. There's so much allegory and there's so much just deeper meaning and connections. It's like a, a huge hyperlinked text and he said and if you're going in with this just naturalistic mind view with your blinders on you're missing 75 percent of the the book even though you're reading every word right you know i don't want to really rag on the the church or anything because they have done a, a good job i mean i'm a, a product of a of a modern church um i do go to a good bible believing church but at the end of the day, it's still not the pastor's job to be able to to teach you everything. It's even if you're in school, um, some schools might not delve into any of those topics. But really, I mean, we all have our own faith journey for for Christianity. If I mean, if you take your Bible seriously and you read it, you're going to have uh, questions in your head or or uh, connections but you don't really know how they connect and through reading or, or studying or even just you know listening to a podcast and, and hearing something it might help you make some of those connections i know for me just kind of delving into the fringe community has been has been a big help because god is still there too whether you're you know reading a book or 
listening to different podcasts or hearing an alternative point of view on something that happened within the uh, in the country or some other country. Um, it helps build your worldview. I think that because of all the discovery since the uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls and a, a lot of material from the ancient Near East, we'll have to wrestle with that with that material. It seems like you only get half of the worldview in church, and the other half you have to kind of piece together. If you know what you're looking for through the lens of Scripture, um, you can build out that worldview by yourself. Um, is You aren't going to lose anything, but if you adopt a supernatural worldview of the Bible, uh, you're only going to double your worldview. At, at the end of the day, I think it's better to have a, a, a theology that bends instead of breaks. The other th- reason I think it's a supernatural worldview is important is because all about two, what, two, two months ago, three months ago now, as of 2023, Congress is having um, UFO, UAP hearings with um, um, people c- coming forward. And I often wonder um, if if we're at a point where we're going to be seeing more strange things. And if we are, then I think the Christian community is going to be lost. It'll be lost, but or if we adopt a supernatural worldview that's already laid out for us in the Bible, I think it, it leaves a whole, whole lot of room because you don't want to be somebody who, you know, see something strange in the sky and then, Oh, nobody told me about this. And then just kind of, you know, leave their faith. This whole idea of, of this, of this sons of God, they're somewhere up in the sky or in in that realm um they uh move around and give it help us i think in the in the coming days to kind of weed through some of this through the lens of scripture yep i I often wonder if that's uh the coming great deception you know because think about it you know the antichrist is going to come performing all signs and wonders uh, even says that he's going to take a like a, a death blow to the head that's going to miraculously heal well think if you get these quote unquote elder Sp- space brothers come down start handing out all this technology and upgrades to the dna pool and give you telepathy or or levitation and eternal life and your body rapidly heal itself. All these things that these Marvel movies and sci-fi films talk about. And then you got the ancient aliens guys, you know, yeah, we were your cedars, you know, all that's why all the, all the religions across the world all sound the same because we are the people, the gods that came from the sky and, and seeded you and watched you grow. Now it's time for your next upgrade and evolution. And those quote-unquote uh, Christians that talked about a rapture, they had it backward. 
they have been either brought off planet uh, and now getting their upgrade and it's your turn, or we had to clean out the DNA pool. They, they weren't strong enough for the next stage of evolution, but you guys were selected. Well, it goes back to, to the same lie that was was told in the garden. that you shall be as gods, whether it be the, the transhumanism route or some sort of genetic upgrade route or some kind of up, upload your consciousness and, into some server somewhere route. All of, all, of, all of these things talk about man 2.0. And as an upgrade, and it's interesting that um, Ronald Reagan he gave his speech at the UN, and um, he was saying that the one thing that would unite all of humanity is if we faced in a threat from somewhere outside of of our atmosphere. You know, people who have been fighting for forever, whether it be um, the two um, faces of Islam, the Sunni and Shia, or the Jews and the Muslims, or whoever, they would be willing to lay down their arms against each other if there was some sort of outside cosmic threat. And that would be the one thing that would unite all of humanity. I agree. And then that would uh, also uh, open the door for Book of Revelations, where it talks about uh, a one-world government, a one-world religion, the beast system. How can you argue with world peace, right? All right. <laughs> yeah, those stupid knuckle-dragon Christians can. <laughs> what was foretold will happen. There's just no getting around it. Our upgrade is already waiting for us amen well uh you got anything in, in closing matt uh like a message to the listeners as far as uh worldview studies uh what would be your your closing statement for those listening um mike my, my cl- closing statement would just be um you know you, you might have to uh do some reading on your own or if you're part of a a small small group at church um you know it, it can be a, a a topic for uh further study if you want to want to go that route um all i can say is uh just be faithful in reading your bible um there is a lot there don't just approach it from a nationalistic perspective um you have a, a, a seed war there that involves both the human realm and the supernatural realm, and that seed war um, is recorded in scripture, and there is an end, and we're still in it. So, study up. Yeah, that's right. It says, My people suffer from lack of knowledge. So, keep digging in. And I love how you said, Have a theology that bends but doesn't break. Matt, if you're listening, buddy, thank you for your time. Thank you for sitting down and talking with me. Uh, Matt's never done a podcast before. He was very nervous. We talked for 
20, 30 minutes, you know, before we actually started recording. And uh, he did a fantastic job. So, Matt, thank you. It was a great discussion. Look forward to having you back, and we can dive into some more interesting topics. Uh, if you are a listener and you are a researcher and you got some, you know, facts, findings, some nuggets you want to share with me and the other listeners, you know, head on over to the website, shoot me an email, let's have a conversation. I'm all about sitting down and having discussions like these. I will listen to anybody. We might not agree on everything, but we can have civilized discussions and we can take a hero's journey every week. As always, thank you guys for joining me on the hero's journey. Head on over to PrometheusLensPodcast.com. Sign up for that all-access pass if you have not already. Don't forget to give us a five-star review and rating wherever you consume your podcasts. Until next time, torches high.